Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Open our hearts to hear from you again. Father, we're just so uh, grateful that you, in your wisdom, have um, decided to build your church and that we get to be a part of it. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, So if you uh, come to this church regularly, you'll know that we're in the middle of a series at the moment, um, a series uh, called It Takes a Village. Uh, the village, and the village is essentially the church, and there's been a number of different talks about different um, aspects of the village, and the bit that I'm going to focus on today is about building deeper relationships, um, and spending time with one another, and building relationships. Um, I don't know how you feel about uh, that topic. Uh, When it comes to church, I think there's... um, for me personally, there's a bit of a kind of uh, a fear that um, when I'm talking about something uh, that I don't live up to what I'm just about to talk about. So I'm coming to kind of talk about building deeper relationships. And some of you are thinking, I don't really even know John. You know, he's been here for however long, you know, and I've really got a surface level relationship with this guy. Um, so I'm not speaking here as someone who is going to be able to tell you how to build deeper relationships. I want to caveat this talk. But what I want to do is um, look at what the Bible says about kingdom relationships and see if there's um, something we can learn from it. Um, Question for you. How do you feel about your current relationships with one another? When you think about your relationships, your friendships in the church, what are the first thoughts? Is it that, um, hey, I've got got pretty good relationships. I'm, you know, I'm really tight with a group of people. or, Or is it... I don't really have that many friends in church. Is it that actually the majority of the people close to me are outside of the church and the people in the church are kind of like, all right, you know, they're they're, they're more like acquaintances than they are kind of intimate friends. Um, And actually, when I think about it, it's for the first time in probably my life Church is, is slightly different. So I grew up, my background is that I grew up in, in a church, right? And my church was a big church. I'm talking about, we're talking about the village. My church was the city, right? My church was like London, right? And so you've got every different type of person. And, um, and, uh, and it's easy to find people that you like and get on with. It's, it's easy. And in fact, there's so many people you can be selective about it. You're just like, you, you, and you. You're my group. And then everyone else can kind of be. So you can, you can kind of be satisfied in the, in the city. When we look at this church, it's smaller, right? We're a smaller church. We are the village. You can't be selective. <laughs> you can't be selective. Um, and sometimes when you read... Um, the story of the early church, you can see they, they've got a kind of a unity, a friendship, a, a bond that um, we aspire to. We look at um, the different verses, and we're going to look at Acts 2. And they, there's, a, um, there's a unity that they have that we kind of 
have that expectation that we would have it, but actually the expectation is, is different from, from what we, expect, uh, from what we um, face as a reality. So let's just read uh, Acts 2, and um, let's see if this is reflective of, of us right now. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When you think of church, sometimes you can have an expectation that your life is going to look a little bit like this. Like this. And so, and so you, you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to grow up and there's just going to be these people that are just like so much like me. And they've all got their distinct little quirks and characters. But actually, we're all together and we're just like all hanging out in this community. And when we're talking about the village, there's this kind of like elevated expectation of what community is going to be for us. I don't know about you, but when you grew up watching Friends, I was just like, that is the life that I want. Just like the doors open to everyone else's house. You're just like, hey, and you know, there's a little cheer that comes in as you walk in. You know, there's an expectation that, that, that you've just got like this, um, this community around you of people that, that, um, that love you and you love them and Obviously, there's a bit of drama there, but, you know, it's, it's generally like we're all huddled over. I mean, no one sits like that ever. <laughs> Imagine that was like the church photo. <laughs> like, beacon, just like all of us, like, like awkward family photos. But that's the ex- expectation that sometimes we have, when in reality, sometimes the way we feel is the next slide. And we feel like we're kind of sat there on our own and there's, there's huge distance between us and, and we don't have people that really, really know us. We don't have those intimate relationships. And I don't know about you, but as a, as a bloke, maybe this is completely generalising, but I find it difficult to make friends. Like, I feel like the older I get, the harder it is to make friends, right? When you're a kid, you grow up and... Uh, and it, it's all to do with, being, being a friend is also with what you have in common. And when you're a kid, you just kind of go, you're learning the alphabet. I'm learning the alphabet. <laughs> we should be like best friends. You know, you're teething. You're teething. I'm teething too. You know, like, you've just got the kind of, like, the similarities that mean that you're going you're gonna to be friends, right? And then as you get older, you start to kind of define yourself by different things and those different things become the differences that, 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 that um, actually separate us. You know, the moment when I grow up and my friend Matthew at primary school, he was like, John, I've got something to tell you. Um, I'm black. And I was like, oh, is that going to mean... No, 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 we're still best friends. But, you know, there's, there's things that we start to define ourselves by that actually create differences between us. And actually, as we meet together... We'll all have different things about us that, that we feel like actually separate us as opposed to um, unite us. We went to um, uh, Scotland recently and uh, we, had, we went for a, a walk and we were going like kind of walking across the Monroes. And Monroes are like big mountains and me and Sarah kind of set off on our, 
on our journey, and uh, and we we passed this couple, and uh, you know, there's no one around. We passed this couple, and we're like, hey, you know, and we were really proud of ourselves because we were like passing them, and. Um, and then we, we actually realised we'd set off at too fast a pace. And then they started to pass us. <laughs> and there was this kind of like, uh, uh, uh. We, we realised, let's just walk together, right? Because it was, it was awkward. We kept passing each other. We kept saying hi. And after the, like, the fourth hi, it's just weird. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. Um, so we started talking. And inevitably, Sarah, being Sarah, is just all over the chat, just like talking with them about everything. Because I have nothing to say, right? <laughs> And, I'm st- and it always works like this. You're, you know, some of you have been in this situation before. Where the girls are just chatting and you're with the other guy. And you're just like, so um, wh- what do you do for a living? You know, and you're trying to find some common ground, right? Because that's what friendships are based upon, some common ground. And um, I remember it was probably about an hour in. And I'm like, gosh, I'm running out of conversation. <laughs> And uh, I should have gone to this first, but I didn't. And I was just like, so, you know, um, he's from Glasgow, this guy. You're a Rangers fan. And he's like, I can't remember. No, he was Celtic, wasn't he? He was a Celtic fan. I was like, are you a Rangers fan? No, no, I'm a Celtic fan. I was like, right, I'm in. He's into football. And then we just, you know, we were... We were like best friends. These guys were running out of conversation. <laughs> I was just talking, we were talking Champions League, we were talking about, and we were all over it. Um, and uh, and they, they were lovely. And, you know, we made friends with these guys. We were like, however long we were walking, a couple of hours. And at the end, it was really like nice. And they were like, if you're ever in Glasgow, don't go to Airbnb, come and stay with us. And it was just, it was just nice. Um, but, you see, we were trying to find this kind of common ground so that we could have some sort of connection, and that is what we thought would kind of bring us together and um, remove the awkwardness. Um, and actually, our lives, as I said, we grow up and we have these kind of things that define us, and when we think of friends, it's almost like we put the friends into the buckets of the things that um, are common amongst us. So I've got a bunch of friends that are like into sport, and so the thing that we gather around is the sport, or I've got some friends that like, you know, you like the same sort of music, so you're into it, or it could be like the place that you are, so work is another thing. So you kind of have these like spheres of things that you're interested in, and friends just fit into those buckets, and actually the more um, circles that are overlaid there on the different interests, often the tighter friends that you have, right? And the reason why you, friends that you have when you're younger tend to be really close friends is because you ha- you've built over time these things. Actually, you've grown together, and there's things that you just have in common, right? You've got history together. You've got different interests and likes and stuff like that. Um, I've put church in the bottom corner there because it can often feel like church is just another one of our interests or hobbies that when you go there, the only thing that you have in common with other people in church is church. I feel like for some of us, and and I'm just going to put it out there because I'm sure lots of you have really good relationships, deep relationships, but the only things that you kind of bond with with one another is the fact that you go to church and a few other potential periphery things. So what's the answer? So there's a couple of answers. One answer could be 
leave the village and go to the city. <laughs> leave the small church and just go to a massive church because do you know what? You're going to find people with common interests, right? And you'll be able to be selective. And you can go out to them. I could go back to New Life right now and I've got a bunch of people that I grew up with. I've got such, you know, we're so, we've got so much in common that I just, you know, just jumped straight back into that. And for the first time in my life, coming to Beacon, it's been, oh, maybe there's not going to be my sort of people around me. My, you know, the people that, and, and, and you know, you, you kind of look around, like, where are my sort of people? Another solution might be just become a little bit more interesting, you know? <laughs> Just be a bit more interesting, and then people will like you. In fact, just start liking stuff you don't even like, you know? Like, someone starts talking to you. I do this. I'm going to put it out there, right? I'm not really big into cycling, right? I'm not really big into cycling, but I speak to Josh and James, and they're into cycling. I'm like, I'm going to buy a bike. I'm going to buy a bike. I did buy a bike. I'm sort of getting into it, so I'm broadening it so that I can be part of the conversation when they're talking about, yeah, gears and stuff. Yeah. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, yeah. That's one, you know, become more interesting. Broaden your hobby list so that people will be more interested in you. Another thing is, um, another solution might be uh, be more interested. So just, just be interested in what other people um, are into. I don't, I don't think that the friendships that the world has to offer is all that the church has to offer. I don't think that a kind of hobbies, interest-based friendship is what the church primarily has to offer with regards to relationships. I don't think that's the case. Because if that was the case, and that's all that the church had to offer, then I guarantee then lots of us would be going to the city. Lots of us would be going to the city. When we look at the Bible and we look at the early church we see actually there's a unique type of relationship that is actually uniquely for the church. And it's not built on hobbies, it's not built on interests, but actually something far more integral. When you look at the early church, it says that they just had this unity, this bond that brought them together, and it wasn't because of what they did. You've got fishermen and you've got tax collectors. That's essentially builders and bankers. You've got such a diverse group. And in fact, when you look at Acts, when you look at the Gospels, it almost makes a point of showing the diversity in those, in those groups. They had, it says they had all things in common, and, and that, is not, um, that was the fact that they actually shared stuff, but they didn't have a lot in common when it came to their hobbies. It wasn't the fact that they all kind of have a mutual hate for the Romans. You know, that wasn't what, what grouped them together. It wasn't what bound them together. So in the Bible, there's um, a number of references to a specific type of relationship, a specific type of bond that is translated in a number of different ways. And primarily, it's translated as the word fellowship. And that word is, um, and we're going to go, next slide, is a word called uh, it's, uh, koinonia or koinonia, right? So it's, it's what, when you see the word fellowship in the Bible, um, it tends to be translated from, from that word. And um, for some of you, you looked at it and you were like, quinoa? <laughs> what's, 
What's grain got to do with this? Um, no, so this is, this is the word that is used to talk about the fellowship, and it was used there in, in Acts um, 2, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And you see it used a number of times, but also it's translated as the kind of communion or the partnering that you have um, or the fellowship. So there's a number of different times. And it's worth, if you, any, if you see that, those words, any time when you're reading your Bible about fellowship, partnering with one another, um, communion, have a look at what the word is behind that because it's this word, koinonia. Um, and it talks about, so this word talks to the intimate relationship we have, not only with one another, but actually with God as well. So in 1 John 1, 3, it says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, koinonia, with one another. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So there's, so there's two things here, right? There's the koinonia, the fellowship, the unity, the communion, the participation that we have with the Father and with Christ and with the Holy Spirit. Also in Philippians 1, it talks about the partnership we have with the, with the Holy Spirit. Um, and the unity, the communion, the fellowship that we have with one another. So there is, there is something um, not aesthetic, not just simply kind of put on um, in terms of this relationship. It's deeply spiritual. It's a spiritual reality that when you become a Christian, you are joined in, you are participating in this koinonia. Interesting thing about this is when we think of the word fellowship, we often think about um, we often think about like fellowship groups, and we're going to spend a bit of time in fellowship, right? And uh, fellowship is like one of those words we need to redeem a little bit because it's such a Christian word. And if you say it, it's just like, um, yeah, we're just going to have a bit of fellowship together. And you're like, oh gosh, <laughs> um, should we just hang out? Um, but actually, um, this word is, is often used as a noun more than, more than a verb. It's something that you possess. Um, it's something that, you, that we have and not just something that we do. right? And it's worth, um, it's worth kind of knowing that, right? So because um, when, you think of, uh, when you think of Christianity, um, the, the, it, it happens a lot, right, where um, uh, Christianity is about walking in something that we already possess as opposed to striving for something that we don't have. Right? So when you think of friendships, when you think of the friendships you have, you're thinking, okay, you know, I need to strive for these friendships. I need to build these friendships. When you think of fellowship, actually it's something that we already possess and we need to walk in it. You see the distinction? And that happens a lot in, in Christianity, right? So it happens with um, salvation, right? You've, you've got it, now just walk in it. And so that's something that is a gift for us. Fellowship is a gift for us, given to us. The unity we have with Christ, the unity we have with one another, is something that we just have, and you've got to deal with it. Being a Christian is often about walking in what we possess and not striving for something that we don't. So why is it that we don't kind of live out this koinonia? Why is it that we don't feel like we've got these kind of intimate relationships um, with one another? Um, so I've got three questions I'm going to ask, and they're, they're you know, fairly punchy questions. Um, and it's just to say, maybe these are some things that are getting in the way of us developing this um, 
this fellowship with one another. I think without an understanding, without a true understanding of what this fellowship is, um, I think what we try and do, in, in lieu of that, we try and build relationships upon our common interests. And, and my point is, don't start there. You know, there's going to be people that, you know, you just kind of get on with a bit more because they support Arsenal and I support Arsenal. And it's just like, you know, and there's someone that supports Tottenham and I'm like, we've got to deal with that. <laughs> you know? Or Chelsea. We've just got to deal with that. But the reality is we're not building those relationships on those interests and hobbies. We're building it on something far deeper, something far realer, and I think something that will actually provide a foundation for a lot stronger, richer friendships. So one of the things that could get in the way. My first question is, have you forgotten the gospel message? Everyone's like, I hope not. <laughs> have you forgotten the gospel message? You see, koinonia is a reminder that Despite our many differences, we are leveled in two ways. One, we are sinners. And two, we are saved by grace because we have a God that loves us. We're leveled. You see, um, when when you have a uh, works-based gospel in your head, it creates the illusion of difference between us. You go, ah, John's preaching. He's like, he's like level two Christian. When he's leading worship, he's level three Christian. When he's preaching in conferences, he's level four Christian. And when he's given to the poor, he's finally understood what it really means. We start to kind of like categorize um, how good we are and how bad we are. And actually, it's another thing. It's another thing that we add to ourselves that goes, we're different. We're different. And so you can come to church and you can look at other people and you're just like, hmm, this guy's this guy's good. This guy's better than me. Or you can do the other thing and you come to church and you go, ooh, this guy, he is far back on that sanctification road. You know. <laughs> you see, works gives the illusion of difference. Grace reveals our similarities reveals the fact that we all stand here equal, sinners, saved by grace. Hear this. This is from Bonhoeffer. Phil bought me this book, um, and uh, it's called Life Together. I recommend this book. It's just awesome. And basically all of my thoughts are these thoughts. Um, He says this. It may be that Christians, notwithstanding corporate worship, common prayer, and all their fellowship and service, may still be left to their loneliness. The final breakthrough to fellowship does not occur because, though they have fellowship with one another as believers and as devout people, they do not have fellowship as the undevout, as sinners. The pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his own sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not be sinners. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. The fact is, we are sinners. I don't know if you're new to church or you, you know, this is a, a visit for you, 
we don't, you're not coming into a house of the holy in one sense. You're coming into a place of sinners who recognize that in and of ourselves, our best efforts are filthy rags. Our best efforts, you know, we're not good people. But the gospel message is this, that though we're not good, he is good to us. And that, that whole thing about we get to be clothed in his righteousness, all of us, it's not that some of us need to be clothed in his righteousness, and other of us, we have our own garments. It's not that. It's that all of us need to be clothed in his righteousness. And it levels us. It means that there's no distinction amongst us. It means that there's no saints versus sinners. It's really important. It's really important. In James 5 it says, confess your sins one to another. You know, if you're to have this this fellowship with one another, if you've forgotten the true gospel message, it will block the the, the depth of relationship that you can have with one another. In our um, house group, we've tried to make a conscious effort to, to, to just be a bit more honest. You know, because if you have a service set up, right, and all you ever see of people is the moment that they come up and they say something good, or the moment they pray out and they're just like, and you're sitting there and you're like, man, I've sinned all week and everyone else just seems to be great. The gospel is a leveler for us. All have sinned, all have fallen short. Thank God for his grace. So remember the gospel message and you can enjoy a depth of fellowship. The second is, um, have you forgotten the mission? Um, Who knows what that's from? Lord of the Rings. Rings. Who are these guys? This is the Fellowship of the Ring, the word fellowship. Oh, what a coincidence. (laughs) You know about this story, right? So this story is about literally a bunch of completely different people from completely different backgrounds, with completely different skill sets, with their own foibles, with their own weaknesses, coming together for a common goal. You see, there is something in um, the Christian life that when we forget that there is actually a mission, we start to just look at ourselves and our relationships become face-to-face as opposed to -to shoulder-to-shoulder. So we're constantly looking at each other and going, <laughs> it's not quite, you know, got a bit of a mark there. Bit of a, we're, we're almost like so introspective about how good the church is and whether, um, you know, Beacon is living up to the kind of, the, the people that you want them to be. And actually, sometimes we just need to turn and realise that we're called for a purpose. We're not called for this holy huddle, you know, We're not called just to kind of come in and go, like, look at each other. We're called for something bigger. And I know there's going to be talks um, on uh, the mission, and I'm not going to go too much into this. But um, the mission kind of bears itself in two ways. One is um, the widening of the kingdom. And that's evangelism, right? That's when we go out and we tell people. 
And um, I just want to tell you a quick story. It's kind of off-piste, and it, the story doesn't really fit, but I'm going to make it fit because it's a cool story. So last... Um, A last-minute work trip, and it was, I had to go to work on the Tuesday for this um, day conference thing in New York. And I was like, why not? Let's make a weekend of it. So I went Friday night, and I basically like, had some fun in New York and then worked on the, on the Tuesday. Um, and a colleague of mine came out with me. Um, my colleague is called Alex, and I don't really know him. So I had the classic flight with him, travel with him, getting to know him, finding common ground. I mean, we talked about work a lot because that's, you know, the initial common ground. Um, we were at the airport and he started talking about planes and how he's, like, really into planes. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to be into planes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that Boeing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he knew his stuff. He was actually, like, an education. I was just, like, receiving. Um, and, I, you know, I was trying, trying to find common ground with him. Um, it, you know, turns out there was lots of common ground and it was quite easy. We were on Sunday morning um, and actually I was feeling like I was missing the church. I was missing you guys. I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, the week before we, we missed church because Sarah was running a half marathon and I was supporting, run, like running behind. Um, and, and so... Uh, I was missing fellowship, and I felt actually in New York really far away from the church, really far away from the church. And um, so we were in this coffee shop in the morning, I was feeling a bit down, and I happened to mention something about church Sunday morning, we're in a coffee shop, I'm not at church, I'm like, I should be in church. Um, and he was like, oh, you go to church? And it opened up this amazing conversation with him about faith, about belief, and um, and it was good, and I really felt carried by the Holy Spirit in terms of what I was saying. And, um, and I looked over at one point when I'm talking to him, I look over, and there's this, there's this old guy, and uh, like kind of silver hair, and he's reading a book, and he's writing notes in the book. And I noticed at the top of the book, it said N.T. Wright. And I was like, N.T. Wright? I know that guy. And I said to Alex, I said, what coincidence we're talking about faith and belief. And that guy's reading a book. Um, that's got N.T. Wright, and he's like this theologian that I know, and he's like a proper scholar, and you should read his stuff. And, and then the book turns out to be called Belief by a guy called uh, Francis Collins, and N.T. Wright, is, there's an excerpt in there. And I was like, oh my goodness, what a coincidence. We're talking about faith, and he's got a book called Belief. And so I was carrying that conversation, um, and uh, I was, there was another, another guy with us, and uh, so I kind of was like, oh, give me two minutes, I want to talk to this guy with the book. So I left those two to it, and I went back, I went to this guy, and I sat with him, and I was like, excuse me, can I just see what book you read? He's like, of course, have a seat, whatever. He was the loveliest guy ever, right? And he was basically a professor, um, and he was using this book to kind of, like, formulate his lectures, and he was a Christian. And I was talking to him, and, it, and basically this book is a collection of, um, of different um, uh, kind of lectures on, on belief and faith. And he said to me, he said, oh, by the way, I overheard your conversation and I was praying. And I was like, you know when you're like, hold, hold, I'm in, I'm in a coffee shop, hold. I was like, do you know what, thank you so much, thank you so much. I didn't know this guy, but do you know what, we were on mission together there. We were on mission together. 
I felt like, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really know him at all. I didn't, you know, he could have been interested in all sorts of stuff that I wasn't interested in. But there was a common mission there that he recognized that I was talking to this guy about faith. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yes. We're back on. Great. Is everyone still following? Yes. Yes. So the relationships that we have based on common interests... Um, Sometimes they're, they're kind of for our selfish entertainment. We find people funny. We find them interesting or whatever. But actually, they're not always for our good. But actually, the fellowship that we have is for our good. It's for our sanctification. It's for our becoming more like Christ. And there's a depth of relationship that you can have with, with people in the church that, do you know what, you can't have with people outside. Because they've got a kingdom perspective for your life. They've got a kingdom love for your life. That actually, it means that they won't just tell you what you want to hear all the time. Sometimes, they'll tell you what you don't want to hear because of your good. That whole idea of iron sharpening iron sounds really good. It sounds like a men's conference kind of thing. You know what? Sometimes it's painful. And sometimes we want to get away from that. I don't want to go to church because you know what? Someone might call me out on my sin. I'd much rather hang out with the boys and watch some football because no one's going to be halfway through a football match go, how's your marriage, John? (laughs) No one's going to do that. There is something in the, um, the deepening of our relationship with God that comes only through the church, only through this fellowship that we have, and not through common interest friendships. The final thing. So the first one is remember the message. Don't don't forget the gospel message. The second one is don't forget the mission. And I was trying really hard to find another M. (laughs) But I couldn't find it. The question is, have you made community an idol? So the series starts and we start talking about the village. And everyone's getting pumped about this village concept. It's like, yeah, we're going to live in community. And I don't know about you, but I've been invited around more houses since this <laughs> series started. And everyone's like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this. Do you know why? Because in us, we really crave it. We want this community. The world craves it. We crave it. We want that depth of relationship. And actually, when we see that it's on offer, we're like, okay, what are we going to do to get there? The challenge often comes that because we have this vision of what community can be, we idolize it to the point where it's actually destructive for us. It's beacon living up to your expectation of what community will be. Because you know what? If you idolize community, you won't be satisfied in any church. Because you'll look at this church and be like, you know what? If there was just a few more people that were into my sort of stuff, if there was just a a few more people that would invite me around their house, if there was just a bit more kind of... And then you go to another church and and you've still got this, this perfect view of community and you know what? They won't live up to it either. I went to a big church, the city, I had loads of good friends, loads of people that I you know, could speak to. I was let down by that community so many times. And so many people leave churches because they've idolized community. This is another Bonhoeffer one. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. 
but the person who loves those around them will create community. When relationships become the prize, when unity even becomes the prize, when community becomes the prize, we've missed it because Jesus is the prize. Now listen to Tozer, A.W. Tozer. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which we must individually bow. So 100 worshippers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be, where they become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Do you understand that kind of concept there? When we all look up and we tune ourselves to the higher standard, actually it draws us together. See, the koinonia starts with our unity with Christ, which then draws us together. When we start with our unity with one another and we try so hard, I'm going to unity, 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 you realise that actually it destroys what it is. Because we've got this kind of perfect view of unity, this perfect view. Do you know the early church, when you read about it sometimes, you're like, and they gave up all their stuff, and they, you know, they just loved one another, and it was perfect. It was not perfect. You read a few, a few chapters later, you read about the fact that there was squabbles between them, you read about the fact that there was you know, challenges because they were different. They fell into the same things that we fall into. But actually, when we look first to Jesus... When we idolise him and him alone, actually from that, the fruit of that is a closer community. So the first thing is remember the gospel message. The second is remember the mission that we are on. And the third thing is remember our prize, remember Jesus. Idolise him and not the community. I believe that in church there is the potential to have the greatest relationships that you could have anywhere. The Bible often describes us being a family. There's a, there's a unity amongst us that is, that is deeper, more profound, more intimate, more valuable in terms of refining than any relationship that you can have elsewhere. And actually, if you come to church and you're just looking for friends... You're looking for um, people that are similar to you. I think you'll be able to find people in other places, in other churches, in other... But actually, God, in his wisdom and his sovereignty, that's the other thing. In his sovereignty, you are here. Do you know, it actually blows my mind sometimes um, that... um, the, the way God works is, in his sovereign will, he's moved me and Sarah into this church. And, you know, when I first moved to Beacon, I'm going to be honest, there's been loads of times when I was like, I'll just go back to new life. But I trusted in God's sovereign will for that time. And I said, you know what, God, I'm not going to base my relationships upon whether I have my sort of people here. And it's been challenging. And it's easier when there are your sort of people, you know, are the people that have the same interests and are the people. But actually, I want to kind of park that and I want to look for this fellowship. 
I want to look for this koinonia, the, the, the relationship that we have and we possess and that we can walk in. And I want, to, I want to look for that. And I want to challenge us all to look for that. I want to challenge us to say, do you know what? There are friendships that you're going to have based on common interests. There are people that are going to be just slightly easier to get on with than others. But actually, there are other people that you might not necessarily get on with, but God has put in his sovereign will them in your place for your refinement and for your good. One of the things that we do together as a church is communion. And you'll notice that the word koinonia has the word, it's you know, translated often as communion, this common union that we have. And something of the, uh, the table is, is, is not a, a, an individual thing. It's not a thing where um, we come up, we take our bread and wine, and we sit back in our place, and we just like, focus in on, thank you for our salvation. There is that. Thank you that you have saved me, Jesus. Thank you that when you were on the cross, you thought of me. That if there was no one else in the world, you would have died still for me. Thank you for that. But actually, it's something that we come together as a people and we, we, we go around the table together. It reminds us that we have, uh, uh, we have been leveled by the grace of God. It reminds us that we all stand equal around the table it reminds us that, that we have been brought into a kingdom with a mission. And it reminds us that the, the, the center of our faith is Jesus. Um, we're going to take communion together. And uh, my challenge is this. My challenge is, when we're thinking about this village, when we're thinking about this community that we are part of, let's think of not building relationships based on the common interest, not building the, um, the relationship even on, you know, you can even do it to like, you love theology, I love theology, that's our thing. It's not about that. Let's build it on the fact that if we already have something right now and we should walk in it. We have this fellowship, we have this uh, uniting because of who we are in Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand. really feels like a word for the moment, doesn't it? And, uh, and, and Emma has graciously allowed me to take the mic because she was going to lead us through communion. But actually, I, I want us to um, gather around the communion tables together. And there's one at the back and there's one at the front. And I want us to pray for one another and to express our commitment to one another. And it may be that when John was talking just about sometimes it's uncomfortable, but actually if you've got something to bring to somebody to encourage, then bring it. Let's build one another up. Let's put this into practice. Yeah. So we're going to sing. And as we worship, just move to one of the tables, take communion, pray for one another, bless one another, express your commitment to one another if there is something that you think I just probably need to put that right I just need to have that conversation with that person because there's just been something there then have that conversation now yeah it's a safe place to do it okay so let's be family let's put into practice the word of God that we've heard so powerfully brought to us this morning
So we worship and then we go to take communion at the tables. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.